in verse 8. We're honored to be here and to preach the word of the Lord. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8. It's been preached over and over and over and over and over and over. But it's so very important to us in our walk with God today. We are living in unpleasant times as we have never seen before. I know we have said that down through the down through time when we get up to preach. And um, I know I, myself, a lot of times I would use a backdrop of Sodom and Gomorrah when I would start to preach. But our world today has left Sodom and Gomorrah behind. We are seeing things that we never have ever, ever dreamed in our wild imagination. Micah chapter 7 Verse 8, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm here to tell you today, I thank God for His mercy and His grace in this day and hour we are living in. You may be seated. Children of Israel had been in and out of captivity for a number of years. Micah declares the passage that we read. But if we back up a little bit in verse 1, he says, Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the graplings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desireth the first fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth. He was declaring that he felt like all was hopeless. The good man is perished out of the earth. And there is none upright among men. He's saying, I can't find anybody anywhere. They all lie and wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. That they may do evil with both hands, one hand's not enough, and earnestly the prince seeketh and the judge asketh for a reward. And the great man he uttereth his mischievous desires. So they wrap it up. The best of them is a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of the watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from the heart that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. He was experiencing a very dark time in his life. He was experiencing in despair nothing that he looked around to see looked good. It was a very, very bad time. But verse 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. Something began to change in his outlook. 
I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And then he makes the declaration. Rejoice not against me, O my enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight. There are times when we are in despair. There are times when we don't know which way to turn. Our politicians do not know which way to turn. Everything is upside down, backwards, inside out. But I want to preach for a little while. When you get hurt, get up fast. I want to talk to you about a man, and I can't pronounce his name. It is D-E-V-E-N-Z-I-O. Coach Dev, they called him. He was one of the most winning high school coaches that ever lived. From the tiniest high schools in western Pennsylvania, he won. At a larger school in the declining steel towns that had no winning team in 20 years, he won. At a small private school in North Carolina, he won. He did it with rich players. He did it with all white players. He did it with almost all black players. He did it with big players. He did it with small players. And in his career, he won over a 1,000 games. In 1966-67, his team went undefeated the entire year and then won the national championship. But that coach, Coach DV, could not coach in our world today. In fact, he would probably be in jail. He yelled at his players. He yelled from the beginning of a game till the end. He embarrassed them. He ridiculed them. He screamed at them. But if you read the book, and someone had given me the book, if you read the book at every chapter, it's one of his players telling what he meant to them all those years. He screamed. He had no regard for parents' anxiety because their boy might not be getting to play right, uh, to play a lot. He told one mother that called him complaining that her son didn't get to, pre to uh, play enough. And he said, ma'am, she said, you don't let him shoot enough. And he said, your son can shoot the ball anytime he wants to. Anytime he wants to. As long he's, that he is in three feet of the basket and nobody is guarding him. He was like a Marine Corps drills instructor. To show you his passion for winning, they had played, none of his philosophy went with the coaches of that day or this day either. He didn't believe in pulling his players out just because they had a huge loss. He said it would make the other teams better if they got embarrassed. And so they had a game, and uh, the boys, when they were going to the locker room, it had been a great success, and they were telling each other, Coach Dev has nothing to complain about. He won't be, he won't be screaming and yelling at us when we go in the locker room. When they walked in, he's stomping up and down in the locker room, muttering to himself, fist closed, 
angry as can be. He turned to look at those boys, and he said, I have waited 25 years for a shutout, and you let them score two points. He had some unique concepts. Fouls were one of them. He would tell his players, how many here have played basketball? Let me see you guys. How many have ever got fouled? Of course, playing like we play, you don't call fouls. But he would tell his players everything when they went out to start playing. He would tell them, don't get fouled. Now, how do you tell somebody not to get fouled? But he said, whatever you do, don't get fouled. And what he really meant was, if somebody fouls you and the referee doesn't call it and you go down, he said, I have a rule. He said, now I understand if you get hurt. If you're really hurt, you know, his concept was if the bone was sticking through the flesh and you were bleeding, they would get somebody to help you. But he pounded it into them. You have time to think about it when you hit the floor if the ref hasn't called. He said, you have one second to make up your mind if you're going to the other end of the court to play or you go to the shower house. One second. I want to preach to us today for just a little while. We don't have time to stay down in this hour that we are living in. And everyone in this house, somewhere in your life, there has been a time that we have been hurt. But I'm here to preach to you for a little while. We can't afford to stay down in this day and hour that we are living in. Amen. And we are living in great times, as bad as they all are. We've got to get up when we get knocked down. Amen. we got to get up. We don't have time to mess around, to let our feelings get hurt. Uh, amen. It's time uh, to get up uh, and get going. Uh, amen. We're going to get fouled once in a while. The Apostle Paul said, uh, I got fouled several times. Uh, I'm more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure, uh, in prisons frequent, uh, death often, thrice beaten with rock, uh, with rods, uh, once I was stoned, thrice shipwrecked, uh, night and day in the deep, and I'm uh, skipping a lot of this, uh, in perils of the city. Uh, but Paul said, uh, I've made up my mind uh, that I am going to get up, rejoice, not against me, O oh, my enemy, uh, Amen. When you start to fall on your way down, amen, tell the devil before you hit the floor, I will get up again. It's time, church. Amen. What are you going to do, Paul? I'm just going to get up and give it everything that I've got. Amen. He said, Paul, what do you think about getting hurt? What do you think about getting knocked down? He said, yea, 
doubtless, uh, and I count all things but lost uh, for the excellency uh, of the knowledge uh, of Christ Jesus my Lord, uh, for whom I have suffered the loss uh, of all things, uh, not just foul once, uh, but all things, uh, and I do count them but dung, uh, that I may win Christ uh, and be found in Him. Found in him. Uh, Paul always got up fast. I'm preaching to every one of us in this house tonight. We've all been hurt. Amen. We've all been hurt at times in our life. And we look at our world today and what's taking place in our world. Amen. I thought as we were worshiping the Lord tonight and and raising our hands and magnifying the Lord, I thank God for the freedom that we still have. Amen. But we have now in our world that there are people uh, being persecuted. uh, Amen. For doing just what we are doing uh, in this day, in this hour. uh, Amen. We need to tell the devil, uh, don't get happy uh, when I fall because I am going to get up again. Uh, Amen. Uh, I shall arise. Amen. What are we going to do in this crazy world that we are living in? It's not going to get better. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter about the elections or anything else. And I do think we ought to vote, by the way. Uh, I know it's not political, but we need to do our civic duty. But our world is insane as never before in our lifetime. We don't have time to stay down. What are we going to do? We're going to fight. I said, what are we going to do? We're going to fight. We're going to fight for our salvation. We're going to fight for our wives, husbands. Wives, you need to be fighting for your husbands. We're going to fight for the freedom of salvation. I really want to preach here for just a little bit. Amen. We've got to be willing for our children to fight for our children as never before. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the schools. Amen. But I'm telling you, it starts in the home with mom and dad. You can't afford, amen, to get down in spirit. You can't afford, amen, to get crossways, amen, with anybody in your life. We've got to fight as never before. Uh, Amen. We've got to fight for our brothers uh, and our sisters. Uh, I said we've got to fight. uh, Amen. For our brothers uh, and our sisters uh, in the house of God. We don't have time. Uh, I said we don't have time. uh, Amen. To get down uh, and out. Uh, Amen. If there has ever been a time uh, that we love each other, uh, it's today. uh, as never before. Uh, I don't want to tear down my brother. Uh, I don't want to tear down my sister. Uh, I want to hold them up. Uh, whatever it takes. Uh, whatever it takes. I was praying the other day as I was going over these notes and I felt God speak to me and, and, and God touched my heart and something that I had uh, ever so often, it would come to me and I would think I need to do that. You know, we're great at self-justification. You can be right in a situation and be wrong in the way you deal with it. 
But as I was praying, God spoke to me. And I did something about it. I'm here to tell you, church, we are in the fight of our life for revival. We are in a fight. What are we going to do about it? Let's have revival. I said, let's get up. I don't care what Congress passes. Let's just keep getting up. Let's keep preaching it. Let's keep loving it. Let's keep living it. Let's pour it into our children. Amen. We've got to survive this time in history. It's time. What are we going to do? We're going to have revival. We're going to give Bible studies. We're going to win the lost. We're going to build churches. We're going to move our cities. We're going to baptize souls in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray souls through the to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's time for revival, church. Uh, we need to breathe it. Uh, we need to eat it. Uh, we need to sleep it. Uh, it should be the foremost thing in our life. Uh, I'm here today to tell you God is moving in our midst. Uh, amen. Uh, I look around at this sanctuary. Uh, it's time for revival as never before. Uh, I was encouraged, uh, uh, Pastor Bradford, the other day when I was talking uh, to Brother, um, Brother White. And here he is. I think he's 65 years old. And he told me, he said, uh, we're getting ready to build a new sanctuary. Uh, amen. Churches are closing their doors. Uh, amen. But we're building churches. Uh, we're buying churches right now that are shutting down uh, Amen, and we're moving in, uh, and it's going to get better for us uh, and worse for them as time goes on. Uh, God's Spirit is moving as never before. It is revival time. It is revival time. Sister Pearson and I have been traveling a lot this last year, actually the last three or four years. I was preaching an, uh, about three or four years ago in, in Buford, Georgia. And uh, in North Dakota, at our camp, Brother, Brother Bradford can attest to this, our campground was just about to fall down. It was in shambles. Didn't have enough room. And when we would go to, when we would go to camp, uh, we would beg for money all week. We had about a $6,000 deficit every time we started camp. And uh, we would take offerings and plead with people to give, so on and so forth. And uh, by faith, we had stepped out and put up a new sanctuary. It wasn't, wasn't finished, but we were having church in it. And I remember going to camp that year, and it was my responsibility to raise uh, money and I took an offering that night, and we had a sum total of, I think, $600. The next night, the district secretary took the offering, and it was about the same. And I believe it was on the third Sunday, Brother Tiller was preaching. He wasn't preaching about giving or anything like that. But a young man just got up from the side 
and he walked over and he laid an envelope, some money on the platform. And Brother Tiller went back to preaching and people started streaming to that altar. And the, the secretary told me that night, he said we had, or that day, he said uh, we had 25, right at $25,000 came in today. I'm telling you, church, it's our time. It is our time. Do you know what my reaction was? To show you our carnal nature. <laughs> I said to myself, what's that going to do to our offering tonight? He came to me after church that night. And he said, the offering tonight almost matched the offering for today. And I was preaching in, in Buford, Georgia. And they're, they're raising money to build a, a new sanctuary. And I was preaching, and I told him, I said, I want to tell you about this, what happened at our camp, but I'm not taking an offering. I'm just telling you what God can do. And, uh, and I was preaching, and every once in a while I'd say, I'm not taking an offering. And I just got through saying, I'm not taking an offering. And there's a little lady there, uh, elderly lady, uh, Sister Sally, I believe her name is. And uh, she comes kind of waltzing down the aisle, and I'm just preaching. And she hands me a check for $10,000. And I said, look what the Lord has done. But I'm not taking an offering. We took up right around. People started pouring money on the pulpit everywhere. Right at $50,000. I was preaching for Brother Weeks about a year and a half ago, and he's gone into a building program. A building program and um, I said, I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to tell it real quick about what happened in Georgia and camp in, in Georgia. And so I told him, and Brother Weeks, he'd call me and see. He said, somebody gave us $5,000 last week. And uh, he said, the next week somebody gave me $4,000. But he said, I wanted to call you today and tell you that somebody just handed me a check. He is able to do abundantly above all we can think or ask. He said, they just gave me a check for $1.3 million for our building. So I told Sister Pearson, I said, we were scheduled to go to Michigan to preach. I said, I'm not telling this story anymore. You know, I'll be getting phone calls come and preach about offerings. And uh, so we went to Brother Mead's church and and uh, they desperately need a building. They're working on, on, on a building, getting a building there. And so I'm just preaching. And I hear myself, I'm, I'm telling about what happened, Brother Weeks. Brother, pastor, he calls me a few weeks later. And he said, somebody just gave me a $70,000 $70, check. He's able to do abundantly above all. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about when we come to the place, we ain't going to let nothing get us down. We're not going to stay down. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have problems. They're there. We're human. My son pastors the church in Racine, Wisconsin, or Sturdivant, Wisconsin. And uh, Brother Malcasian, when he built that building, it was uh, 
little over $700,000. Just a small group. When my son took the church, it was at about um, 400000 And uh, God has a funny way of dealing. He can do abundantly above all we think or ask. And my son said, we've got to get rid of this debt. He said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a janitorial business. And he went into a Hobby Lobby because at our business in North Dakota, we had done Hobby Lobbies. And he went into Hobby Lobby to see about getting one Hobby Lobby to start a business. And he walked out with nine Hobby Lobbies. So my son had the debt down to about 140000 And Sister Pearson and I were leaving to go to Kentucky to preach. And then we were going to uh, Alabama. And then we were going to Georgia. And my son told me, he said, Dad, you got to come back next week after you're preaching in uh, Kentucky. And I said, do you know how far it is from here to Kentucky, back to here, and then to Georgia or to Alabama? He said, doesn't matter. He said, we're paying off our note. We're going to have a note burning. Somebody handed him a check for the full amount. He's able to do above anything we can hope or anything that we can ask. And I know this is a great revival church. I'm preaching to the choir, I know. It's exciting to see what God is doing, filling people with the Holy Ghost. But I'm believing that it's just going to get better and better. Amen. The darker the night, the brighter is the light. My son got a call the other day, a few weeks ago now. I'm through preaching. I'm getting ready to close. My son was got a phone call from a lady, and she said, "I'm not, I'm not calling for myself." She said, "I'm calling for my son, my brother." Said he's uh, had a lot of problems. And she said, "I looked you up. I was just looking for a church." She's a Baptist lady. Said, "I was just looking for a church. Thought maybe you could help him." And my son said, "Of course, we'd love to. You know, try to do what we could." So this Baptist lady, she comes to church on Sunday by herself to try it out. We had a good service. She left with the Holy Ghost. She brought her son, her brother. The next week or so, he got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And a week or so ago, she came and her daughter came with her and she left with the Holy Ghost. He is able to do so much more. So much more. I want us to stand. Let's lift our voices to the Lord tonight. God, I want revival as never, ever before in our lifetime. He's able to do abundantly above all that we can think or ask. I don't know how you close on Tuesday nights. 
But I wonder if we could, if you've got a need tonight, you got something you're wrestling with that you need to, you need to just get up. We've all been there. No, there's a lot going on, but God's still in control. He's able to do abundantly above all we can think or ask. Let's begin to worship the Lord. This altar is open, Pastor. Let's talk to him, church. I shall arise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't we gather in? Amen. A conclusion of the service. I thank you, Jesus, and praise you. Praise God. Amen. One of the things that he was talking about with Paul is in one particular place in Paul's ministry. They stoned him, and they left him under a pile of rocks. They left him for dead. The next day, Paul came up out of the pile of rubble. Amen. Making his way back into the city to continue to do the work of God. No matter what has hit you, praise God, no matter what has knocked you down, hallelujah, tonight be, needs to be a night where we make a conscious decision that I'm going to get back up and arise. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray that prayer together. Lord, I thank you and praise you, worship you and magnify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you for your power and ability gives us the strength to arise no matter what comes our way. Praise God, no matter what knocks us He's down. Still I know that you're a God that is He's continuing to work. 